Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. It's been a while. Ah, I feel like there's been more gaps than I would like recently, I guess. Um, a big part of that is that uh, the big Star Wars happenings have been uh, a bit more spaced out recently. Um, but it's also, I've you know started this uh, a bit of a new teaching job and stuff, so I've been a bit wrapped up in that. But we have stuff to talk about, that is for sure. Um, the biggest thing recently, um, I think we can all agree, is Visions, the um, collection of Japanese animated shorts. Um, yeah, that this was one of the shows that was, um, what would you say, uh, one of the shows that was... Uh, revealed, I guess, um, in that massive day when we got about like 10 new shows announced. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to it, not to the degree that some people have, and I've discussed why in the past. So let's see how I felt about the, um, the show now that we've all seen it, in theory. Um, I gotta say, it was pretty much what I expected. I liked it. I liked it very much. But um, I, I, I wouldn't say I am as uh, enwrapped in. Uh, yeah, I'm not uh, as into it as some other people were. Um, and as I predicted, it was uh, pretty much because uh, it's like there's a lot of anime out there. If you want to watch it, you can go watch that. Like, I really want to see Star Wars. So, um, this to me felt... It didn't feel like Star Wars in anime form. It felt like anime with um, a touch of Star Wars. Um, now, having said that, let's jump into some of the stuff I really liked. Uh, that first one, The Duel, I, I, I expected that to be the one I liked best. And pretty much the that was pretty much the case. Um I really like that visual style. Like, uh, as I've said many times, the used universe look of Star Wars is really key to me. And um, that scratchy, hand-drawn look with this kind of like um, black and white film filter, you know, old black and white film filter look, to me, that was awesome. That was visually my favorite of, uh, of the nine. Story was pretty simple, but uh, it was cool. It had, it had attitude. Oh, by the way, I should mention, I watched all of these in their English versions, except for Tatooine Rhapsody, which I, for some reason, watched in Japanese. Um, but uh, I am going to go back and watch them all in Japanese after this. Um, uh, my other favorite was The Ninth Jedi. Um, it had a couple of weak spots. Look, I... I think anytime the force is mentioned, you have to do it in a very particular way. Um, if you go overboard, it can come across as a, as really cheesy. Um, it's part of why I don't love Chirrut Imwe as much as some people do. This whole like the force is here. Have you heard about the force? I had a force sandwich for breakfast. Mmm, 
tastes good and forcey. You know, it's just like, I think it should be mentioned as little as possible, really. Um, and when it's mentioned, it needs to be done in a really cool way. And I, I guess when that episode started, it was this, you know, a guy turns up and then, oh, the force is here, oh, the dark side. Blah, blah, blah. It was just like, nah, it, that stuff has to be used sparingly. Now, after that, I thought it, the, the episode really picked up. Um, the characters were cool. Visually, it was cool. Um, I liked the... Um, I felt the story had, had twists to it. Like, I, I think a lot of the stories were really just, like, pretty simple. Um, which, you know, they had 15 minutes to tell their stories. So, what are you going to do? But, um, yeah, uh, the, that you know, the whole speeder bike kind of... "Quote-unquote speed bike chase uh, was really nicely done. I liked the look of those those hunters that came after her. Um, it was awesome, actually. I really liked that. Um, Tatooine Rhapsody, I did not like much. The tw twins, I didn't like that much. Um, Lop and Ocho, I thought visually was gorgeous. Really, like um, a lot of, I think uh, the backgrounds were like hand painted. Yeah, I really like the look of it. I, I mean, I, I understand Jackson exists, but I also don't think that rabbit people should really be a thing in Star Wars. Um, but it was well done. It was cool. Um, as I said, beautiful looking. Um, the other one I really liked was The Village Bride. I thought that had some layers to it. So uh, let's see. I'm going to re-watch them in Japanese and see how I feel. The, the unfortunate thing is that in my mind, I can't help but um, compare them to uh, Marvel's What Ifs series, which is also being played around this time. I think What If is killer. <laughs> like, it's so cool that it's like the... A, the animation is like A1, super amazing. Um, I mean, those characters are well-defined at this point. But the, um, the twists are really cool. The, um, the humor, like they, they are, as with the Marvel films, genuinely funny. Um, super charming, super stylish. I, I just think they're amazing. And I liked this about half as much as I've been enjoying the What If um, series, which, you know, I live for Star Wars. It's, a, it's an obsession. So anything Star Wars should automatically, like, blow everything else out of the water for me, really. So the fact that I didn't love this nearly as much as I've been enjoying um, What If just makes me feel a little bit like, okay, this was not a miss, but just it was, it was, it was cool. Um, I think that, um, like, I think in this early the, this early stage of Disney Plus, I'm still pretty like, I want everything to be like exactly spot on amazing. Um, but as time goes on and, you know, uh, we get more and more stuff, I think, I, you know, I'm going to be a bit more like, yep, I'm going to love some stuff. I'm going to not love some stuff. And that's totally fine. Um so this, yeah, I kind of feel like if they're gonna put time and money into into stuff, why not make it 
10 out of 10 Star Wars amazing. Um, but, I, but I mean, I also like the thing is like, for example, that um, I think it's just called TIE Fighter. I guess I've mentioned it before. That fan made, it, it's like like stylistically, it's closest to Robotech, aka Macross, and um, it uh, that is so cool. And that to me feels like Star Wars in animation rather than animation with some Star Wars added. Um, and also like um, you know that um, that CG animated short Hunted with the you know the the TIE fighter pilot who's being chased by an, an X-Wing pilot. It was basically a promotional short for the Squadrons game. Kicked ass. Loved that as well. So I think like this kind of stuff can be awesome. Um, but I just... Yeah. It was good, but it just didn't... It wasn't a total slam dunk for me. Uh, but let's see what happens when I watch everything in Japanese and I might start to develop a bit more of a taste for it. All right. Uh, the other fun thing is um, I had no idea this was coming, but I saw in a Star Wars group someone mention it. It is a show called Galaxy of Sounds. Um, it's super cool. So, like, uh, you may remember that I really loved those uh, those shows, Biomes and the Vehicles on Disney Plus. Biomes is this like very uh, calming, relaxing kind of. Um, journey through different uh, kind of environments and locations, Star Wars locations. Uh, vehicles was uh, nice slow panning shots of so far two vehicles, the Millennium Falcon and a for First Order Star Destroyer. I loved, I love that stuff. Like that's, it really, um, it's the kind of like extra stuff that you kind of want. Like it's not, um, it's not super, um, essential or anything but it's just tasty you know it's like a packet of chips you don't need that packet of chips but it tastes pretty good doesn't it so uh this is definitely uh, along those lines galaxy of sounds what it is is so so far there are seven i don't know if they will return to this ever but there are seven uh short uh, they're they're about seven minutes each and it's basically um just a nice edit of shots and scenes from the films and from the Mandalorian um, with all the music and dialogue removed. So this, the idea of it is to um, allow people to focus on the sound design. Uh, on the visual, it says on the visuals as well, but it is called Galaxy of Sounds. So I think they are giving the sound design a chance to breathe and not be competing with the soundtrack. And... Wow, loved it. <laughs> like, I just thought it was super good. Um, I think anytime you you get, like, nice... I mean, there's tons of fan edit edits out there, you know, um, where people pick a song and uh, do edits with uh, choice shots and scenes from Star Wars. It, Man, that stuff can really hit the spot, right? And it's a bit like that. Um, it is interesting that without music, you it doesn't have that kind of sweeping like, oh my god, the Star Wars magic feeling that um, those fan uh, edits can have. Um, but it's just really uh, fun to just to see all these amazing shots 
edited together and to be able to enjoy that iconic sound design, you know. Here, those um, C-3PO servo motors or the TIE fighter wind past or, or, you know, all these great sounds that we all love so much. Uh, I love this kind of thing. I want more of this from Disney+. Plus. Right. Um, we also got an announcement of the uh, release, release date for the first episode of the Boba Fett series, uh, December 29th. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's going to be really good. Like, um, so Robert Rodriguez's uh, episode of The Mandalorian was a cracker. The only thing I didn't love about it was um, I felt like the lighting, this kind of day, midday sunlight kind of look to it made it look kind of cheap. I actually, I, I, I just started rewatching The Mandal Mandalorian. Um, I feel I felt like it had been long enough. Was I was ready for a rewatch, and um, yeah, I gotta say, like, especially because so much has been made of the volume now. Like, there are so many scenes where I look and go, like, oh, that's the volume, that's the volume, that's the volume. I, I almost wish I didn't know about the volume. <laughs> um, even my favorite episode of the whole. Uh, series so far, the Ahsoka episode. Um, there is a shot where, when Mando, you know, he's just like walking down the ramp of the Razor Crest, and there's just like such an obvious line between the physical ground and where the the volume takes over. I just wish, I kind of wish I didn't know about it because I probably wouldn't really notice it. But I, to me, yeah, like. So I guess like the middle of season one is the like the weakest to me. So episodes four or five are the, my two least favorite. So I guess I've watched those two. So I'm feeling a bit like unpumped, I guess. But um, having said that, I think that um, Robert Rodriguez's uh, attitude towards Boba Fett and towards his episode of The Mandalorian was really spot on. Um, it's funny, like, I, I guess I've said this before, but it, it almost feels like a different character to um, original trilogy Boba Fett. The original trilogy Boba Fett, to me, was not didn't have that almost, like, animalistic aggression to him. I felt like he was very, like, cool, calm, collected, calculating, um, knew what he had to do to get the job done. Um but wasn't like necessarily gunning for a fight all the time, you know? Um, so this version of it, it doesn't necessarily feel like exactly the same character. I feel like it's a different, there's, a, there's some big differences, but uh, this version is awesome. So <laughs> I'm okay with it. So um, I think we're going to get like a tough, stylish approach from... Uh, you know, it's Favreau and Filoni again, but to bring uh, Rodriguez in, that's good. And I'm kind of hoping for a little bit, even like a step closer to cinematic quality visually. Um, I liked the look of Jabba's palace uh, in that last episode of The Mandalorian Season 2. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to that. 
Uh, it's been a good couple of weeks for books. Um, I finally took delivery of uh, The Art of the Mandalorian. Um, I, ha I have reservations about the show, but I really like a lot of the design. Um, I mean, especially like, the, like <sighs> again, Star Wars concept art. You can't beat it, man. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, so that turned up, and I also found on Tradera this uh, this guy was selling off his <laughs> his whole Star Wars book collection, I think. And um, you know, I should not be spending money right now, to be honest. But when I see stuff like this as cheap as 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 it is, I just I gotta I gotta go for it. So I now have the Visual Dictionary for Solo. The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi. Um, the visual dictionaries are goofy as hell. Like, the stupid stuff they write on there, you know, with the little pointer to show, you know. It's so goofy. But I, I, if I read it in, that, in the spirit of enjoying that goofiness, then I enjoy them. And I also just love the ability to look at nice, high-quality photos of characters and gadgets and um, vehicles and stuff that you, you can't really get a good look at when you're watching the films. So they're worth, they're worth the effort. Um, I ended up also with uh, Force Awakens. What's it called? Great Cross Sections or something. You know, these like big two-page, super detailed illustrations that show the like insides of vehicles or whatever. Ah, it just looks amazing. I love, I mean, I've had a quick look. I, I don't know, like, I have, it's so hard to keep up with books. Stuart, I'm getting to the two books you sent me, I promise, but there's just so much that I've had, like, on my reading list for ages. I'm still, I still haven't finished the uh, making of the lot of Return of the Jedi, and I'm almost halfway through uh, The Rising Storm, I believe it's called, by uh, Kevin Scott, the late, uh, I guess it's the latest High Republic novel. It got really good reviews. I'm so like I, I want to read these books because I mean, really, the big thing for me with the High Republic is that the Acolyte TV series that is uh, on its way is set at the end of that period. So I kind of. I just want to be up to date and know exactly what's going on when that TV show drops. But I'm... Okay, I'm, I guess I'm like a third of the way through this book. Just, it's not awesome. I, it's just it's kind of dull. Uh, like... A big part of, you know, spoiler alert if you care, but a big part of the setting of the book is this like basically like a world's fair thing, but it's, I guess it's the galaxy Republic fair thing. And I just go like, it's not illogical that the Republic would want to put on this kind of event, but is it Star Wars really? Like when I'm watching the battle of Hoth, do I, do I find myself going, this battle of Hoth is pretty good, but what would be pretty even better is some intrigue around a World's Fair type of event where they can show off uh, arts and crafts and uh, flora and fauna from different planets or, you know, like... <laughs> That's not Star Wars to me. Like, 
And it doesn't help that I'm... Okay, are we going to... Yeah, let's get to it. It doesn't help its cause that I am, like, neck deep in Dune Obsession right now. Dude. All right, you ready? I'm going to talk Dune for a bit. It's not Star Wars, but it's Star Wars related. Obviously, George was influenced by Dune to a pretty great degree. If you think about um, desert planets, about spice, about uh, emperors who you don't really meet, <laughs> at least in the beginning. Um, obviously, like I've probably mentioned before, but Denis Villeneuve is kind of my favorite filmmaker in the world right now um besides maybe tarantino like i mean arrival was sick prisoners was sick but man blade runner 2049 so good like like on like a like on a soul level, that that movie affected me like on a soul level. So I think when I um, when I heard that he was gonna do Dune, I was just like, "Wow, yeah, this, that that's a great idea." Um, I just I was, I was so pumped for that, and. Um, So finally, when was it? A couple of weeks ago now, I guess. I finally saw. Uh, I finally saw part one in IMAX, and for most of the film, I was sitting there with this thought: "This is why cinema exists." <laughs> I just felt like somewhat. It was just like. incredible i would say not as immediately like kick ass as blade runner 2049 um because it's a it is a like a, a a more like a darker more monochrome palette that he's working with there um but i just loved it and i had a couple of reservations which i'm not gonna get into because i know a lot of people like the release I don't the release for this movie is really chaotic like ev everyone's getting it at different times so I'm not going to say that much about it but um I had a, a reservation or two but they are directly related to the fact that this is only part 1 um now I think uh, once I was like aware of those things that I or it's actually one thing that I wasn't super pumped about when I went back to see it for the second time, I was like totally okay with that aspect of it and was just, again, just flawed. Seriously, like IMAX was not designed from the beginning to be like the next step for serious filmmakers or film watching. I guess it was, you know, originally for like nature documentaries or it was it was almost like a like a roller coaster ride at a theme park kind of vibe right but i'm telling you man i really i kind of don't want to even watch movies not in imax anymore it's so amazing 
Like it doesn't it doesn't save a crappy movie, but it's um when you're seeing films that are at the top end of like visual artistry and when you're seeing films that especially are at the top of their game in terms of sound design then i just think it's like it really is a big step up from a normal cinema um the sound is really to me the biggest thing i would say like in, in watching dune it it feels like you're getting assaulted almost with the like the the sound and the and the the score so good and i just like i get you know like you remember when avatar came out and people talked about um or i heard stories of um people kind of going back again and again because they enjoyed the film but more because they loved the world and they they just wanted to be back in that world. I feel that way about Dune, actually. Which is funny because it's a pretty horrendous <laughs> environment that they're in most of the time. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I loved it. So I am dying to see part two. Um, yeah, and because, you know, I'm so into it, I'm listening to the score a lot. But I'm also re-listening to the um, the audiobook. I have listened to it once before. Um, it's funny, like the audiobook and and like part of you know the narrate uh, the guy reading it. Plus, they have some some voice actors who do some of the voices and stuff. It can come across a, a little bit um, cl in vibe closer to you know its time of origin. You can understand. You can imagine like sci-fi from the 60s or 70s had a bit of a kitsch vibe to it um and this i guess this audiobook in a way has a bit of kitsch to it which does not exist in villeneuve's film at all um and i kind of don't want that because i love villeneuve's vision of uh, of this um story in this world um so uh, but having said that i love I'm really enjoying getting more detail on on the um, the stories, uh, the story, more detail on the characters, more detail on why things are happening the way they are. Um, and listening to that audiobook while at the same time making my way through the rising storm. Ah, I mean, Dune is a a, a classic. <laughs> So of course you maybe it's unfair to compare, but I uh, can't you know hard not to sometimes. So um, yeah, if you get the chance to go see Dune, you got to see it on the big screen. If you happen to have an IMAX cinema, go check it out there. It's so 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 amazing. Um, yeah. Damn, I've seen it twice. I'm ready to go see it another eight times. <laughs> Folks, I think it's time to uh, take a look at uh, a couple of fun things I pulled from the making of The Return of the Jedi book. It's, um, yeah, I'm getting closer to finishing it. Um, 
It'll be sad to finish it because I've been enjoying I've been enjoying the making of the original trilogy so much. Of course, I have other making of Star Wars books waiting for my attention, so won't be that bad. But um, yeah, uh, here we go. I, I just it, there are some things in the Star Wars um, galaxy universe that get talked about so much that it almost becomes like a, it's such a cliche to go on about how great these things are. One of them is uh, John Williams and his music. Like it's one of those things, nobody disagrees. Everyone loves John Williams. The music to every one of those nine styles films that he's done has been great, at least great, if not transcendent. Um, so I don't need to pile on. I don't need to tell you how great John Williams is. But I liked this little uh, quote from George Lucas. Here we go. Talking about John Williams. Johnny is one of the key elements of the movies. They improve enormously once the music is put into them, says, Lu says Lucas. Six hours and 15 minutes worth of film already. And you're talking about maybe five and a half hours worth of music. It's underpinning. Oh, sorry. It's the underpinning. A grease that each movie slides along on, as well as a glue that holds it together so that you can follow it. There's always been a scene or a moment in which the music connects so strongly with the visual that it sends shivers up my spine every time I see it. Johnny's always gotten that moment for me. I love that. Um, for a couple of reasons. A, yeah, we all love John Williams. There's no argument there. But um, I think it's extremely rare to hear George Lucas say anything positive about his own films. Um, and one of the things that he has always said didn't just meet his expectations, but went far beyond his expectations, was the music. And it makes me happy to think, to imagine, you know, George, with all the stress and stuff he went through making the films, that on each film he's had a moment where once he's heard the John Williams music put in, that he has a moment where the hair stands up on the back of his neck and he feels thrilled by what's happening on the on screen and in his ear holes. I think that's lovely. Um, it's really nice to hear. One other small little funny thing. Um, uh, in the book, they're talking about the throne room scene. Uh, this is a funny little, little detail. So in the book, it says, the lighting in the close-ups of the emperor were objectionable. So, Lucas opted to fix it in post. A hand-animated shadow was drawn over many of the Emperor's close-ups. A black blob that danced on the edge of his cowl. That's super interesting. I haven't watched uh, that's those scenes since I found out about that. But isn't that crazy? Like... 
again, you just go like, wow, these movies, I mean, they're classics. They're basically perfect. Uh, but then you go like, no, we, we got the lighting wrong. We had to hand animate shadows on the emperor's face in these sequences. It's crazy. But it just shows like how much dedication went into making them as good as they are. Like they didn't just like f fall off the back of a truck the way they are. That was literally like George Lucas and everyone else involved at every step of the way going like, is it what it should be or can we make it better? Can we make it better? Can we make it better? And that's why it is what it is, which is great. All right, folks, let's play What's That Sound? Yes, we've been uh, watching Galaxy of Sounds. Now let's see if we can guess them properly. Here we go. That to me sounds like the Imperial probe droid getting shot by Han and then self-destructing. Let's take a look. Hmm. Something that I've been kind of feeling as I was watching Galaxy of Sounds. Because um, I haven't actually watched the films for a while. Is that I can't wait to get back and give them a rewatch. Yes, that's exactly what it was. All right, let's go. Let's do another one. Man. Okay, one more time. Ah, I reckon that's the cloud cars on Bespin. Or? Okay, I have to check. I might be wrong. Let's see. Ooh, I was wrong. You know what that was? That was the probe droids being um, being fired or fired, being released from that star destroyer and sent off. So, all right, let's try another one. I mean, I think that's Ewoks. <laughs> Let's find out. I'm pretty sure. You know, I don't like... Maybe, unnec yeah. maybe unnecessary to check, but kind of fun too. I got to make sure. This is serious business, people. I don't want to be... I don't mean wrong. All right, here we go. Okay, try it again. I reckon that's Jar Jar's tongue picking up the dooby-doo when they're eating with um, Anakin and Shmi Skywalker. Let's see if I got it right. Yeah, but as I was saying, I was like, I'm like, I'm... I'm ready to uh ready to do a rewatch. Oh, I was close. It was uh Jar Jar, you know when they're walking on Tatooine and he um sees those gross things hanging and he tries to grab on but then it's like connected to the rack that it's on or whatever and 
it flies off and splashes in the soup and splashes Sebulba and then they get in there, you know, into some kind of fight. <laughs> That's what it was. So I was close. It was, Jar Jar's tongue was involved. Okay, let's just do one more. Dude. Mm. Whatever my opinion of the prequels may be, I will always give uh, props to that moment when that um, Vader mask comes down and you, you can see the, him looking up through it. You can see through the red, um, whatever you call it, eye holes, visors. And that um, that vacuum sound followed by the the high pitched plus the uh, then when the Vader breath comes, that's fantastic. You cannot deny. All right, guys, we're gonna get on with our the Last Jedi rewatch. Let's check it out. All right, it's been long enough that I have no idea where we are up to. Let's take a look. So Kylo Ren has just... There we go. Kylo Ren smashing the crap out of his helmet. Prepare my ship. Awesome. I love this stuff. It... Okay. <laughs> Come on, Tom. Commentary, commentary. <laughs> I mean, Chewie looks so good. Like he was, I think he was a an A minus looking looks wise in uh, the Force Awakens, and in this A plus in Solo A plus Rise of Skywalker A plus. But yeah, I, man, I it was like I really want Dickheads to shut up about ruining Luke in this movie and stuff. But uh, it was. Was a bit sad. It was. I can't uh, deny it. Hmm. My mum. I just talked to my mum today, and she talked. She said she saw there was some travel documentary, and they went to Skellig Michael, and she was like, "Oh yeah, they said that there was. Um, they filmed Star Wars there." And I was like, "Yes, they did." She agreed that it was stunning, which it really is. Like, nice work, JJ. That is a great, great. Uh, location, good find. All right, <laughs> this is a scene. I'm surprised that there are people who don't like this. This is Luke milking the sea cows. I'm sure if I look in my Last Jedi visual dictionary, I'll, I will find out exactly what they're called. You know, ah, oh, okay, this is classic. I gotta pause it for a second. <laughs> I pause it in a good place too. Luke in mid green milk and beard snarl. All right, so I'm a, a member of a Facebook group called Practical Props and Special Effects or something. I don't know. Um, or I can't remember if it was the the practical effect. No, no, no. It's a, like c costumes and I don't know. It's some kind of Star Wars group. It's not one of my nice ones. 
you know that I'm a member of Star Wars for what is it called? Star Wars for fans who actually like the movies, <laughs> and the other one is the non you know the non non toxic Star Wars fan base or something. So it's not one of those two nice ones where people are able to express their opinion in a measured, calm way without shitting on all over everyone else's enjoyment of something. Um, someone talked about the fact that the milk spray and the, the milk going into the bottle was actually a CG effect. Um the bottle is a, a, a real object, but the the milk going in and stuff is a CG effect. And they're like, oh, why would you even do that? I mean, God, like, and I'm just like, well, you know, it could be just as simple as like the filmmaker wanted to control exactly how that milk went in. And it was like, it would be a lot of mucking around to get it to work practically. And you're out on an island with, Mark Hamill and all these people, and it's like the amount of time you have on that island is is, is limited. Travel to and from the island is really hard, so you just got to probably like. I'm sure there's a hundred reasons why they put that, but the fact that people will get like furious about something like that just shows like, yeah, internet's gonna internet, I guess. Um, but I love the scene, like. Like I mean, I love Luke. Is like my favorite character ever. He's a he is a hero. That doesn't mean he like. It doesn't have these like moments in his life. You know, we all do. Um, and I think that, you know, the fact that he's kind of playing up to Ray to try to put her off and make her leave him alone. I think it's great, and I love the sea cows. I think they are bang on like good star wars creatures um i've often said star wars creatures if they're too cute or pretty i think they stop feeling like star wars like the crystal foxes in this film we'll get to them later they don't feel like star wars they feel like harry potter to me um but these sea cows are nice and uh, lumpy <laughs> and ray's just like look of like oh man i don't really want to be seeing this then we get the bit where Luke goes fishing. Um, this is one of those times where I wish I hadn't seen the behind-the-scenes stuff because, of course, like the guy who shot that that stunt of pole vaulting over that gap, really. Uh, it's not Mark Hamill, obviously. And now I can't unsee that it's a different person. Um, you know, they've matched Mark, Mark Hamill pretty well. That fish is a good-looking fish, though. That's a big one, too. I mean... Jeez. You would uh, be eating fish for weeks after catching something that size. Um, I mean, I love the look of of uh, Akto. And I, I love how Luke looks. Like, I think there are some people who are maybe, you know, not heavy metal people who, oh, he looked like a, ho a hobo or something. I'm like, yeah, all my friends look like this. <laughs> You know, um, so I kind of like that. I really like his look. I like his Jedi robes look at the end of episode seven and the beginning of this. 
But I actually my favorite sequels Luke look is this um, Luke in exile, just everyday clothes look. I just think it's to me the right level of kind of um, humility for a Jedi Knight to have. All right, we're going to the uh, the mystical tree, which is a cool looking set. Um, it's amazing that they can go from location to set, and it it feels of a of a piece. It feels united. Um, that's great. Now, I did have some feelings about there being actual physical Jedi texts. Like I think, and some of those books look really old and cool, and some of them look a little bit like gift store oldie book, oldie oldie book in a way um i don't know i i think there's a lot about star wars and the jedi and the force that needs to remain uh what's the word um undefined and i think that allows people to read to kind of create it for themselves in their mind but yeah but it's cool i i mean this this set is amazing. This shaft of light coming through the top is amazing. Luke, like, just framed in that kind of spreading wood structure. Just looks cool. I love Luke's voice in this whole section. I love this line. Yeah. Where are you from? Nowhere. No one's from nowhere. Jakku. Okay, that is pretty much nowhere. Good, like, just a nice little subtle bit of humor. Oh, Luke's voice here, amazing. And then this this close-up on Ray is so good. Listen to this. Something inside me has always been there. And now it's awake. And I'm afraid. Mm. I don't know what it is. Come on, Luke. Step up, bro. Why not? I've seen your daily routine. You are not busy. I will never train another generation of Jedi. I came to this island to die. It's time for the Jedi to end. Why? Sorry, I know it. This is such a good scene. I can't talk. She was wrong. She deserves to know why. Mm. Ah, I think we can stop there because I'm going to talk about this a bit. So, um, great scene. I love that bit. Um, I mean, like, there are certain trailers, Star Wars trailers that have really had a huge impact. I think the Force Awakens one, you'll never beat the Chewie Wear Home moment. Um, but, uh, for example, like the Rogue One trailer really did it for me. I just remember the the, the music swelling just as you see this shot of the, um, of a U-wing, like kind of like dropping in on the beach and letting soldiers off. And it was just, I was like, there's been a few that really got me in the feels. The episode eight trailer, I don't remember 
giving me that exp- that experience except that one line it's time for the jedi to end i just remember going oh that's an amazing line a an amazing line b amazing line to put in the trailer because of course you're just like whoa what 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 um yeah it's so great yes i i think um Man, Daisy Ridley is amazing. Like that, she can act her ass off. Seriously, I just think she's um, like she can be super fun and uh, like cute and charming, but she can do um, emotional stuff so well. Like if you watch that scene, like before she does her little spiel about um, something, you know, has always been there and now it's awake. You see her just like she's she's hesitating. She's like almost searching for how to start. And she almost starts and pauses again and then she starts talking. I just... She knows what she's doing, man. She's amazing. And Mark's amazing in this. Like... Like, it's one of his best performances for sure. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I love that scene. That's the thing, man. When people are that bitter toward this, this film, I just go like, yeah, but be smart about it. Be like, under, like, say like, I didn't like this decision or this didn't sit right with me, but to act like it's not a good film, man, join us in the real world, please. Gosh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's so nice to be watching this again. Um, yeah. Coming next, I guess we're going to have... Uh, the end of Tally Lintra is coming and I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> All right. Folks, thank you for listening. Um, always fun to talk to you. Uh, I will be back soon, I hope. Um yeah, let's see how I feel about Visions once I've watched it one more time. All right, folks. My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. Hey!